Father God, we come before you. Center us here in your presence. Remind us, Father God, that, that you're not somewhere else in some other place and in some, some, some distant location, but God, here now in this space. Father God, the majority of the week, our thoughts and our minds and, and our intentions are in a million different directions, but Father God, if you're here, let us be here too. Draw us in around your word so that we may, may receive the word that you offer, but also obey it. Bless us this morning, Father God, as we seek to grow as followers of you. In your son Jesus' name, everyone together says. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 begins. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that's kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire test and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. The word of the Lord. Have you ever won something? Have you, ever, you guys ever won? Um, so I had some friends at, at this church, actually, who uh, gifted me uh, Master's Sunday tickets one time. I took that Sunday off. That was, a, that was like this great gift, that, this great thing that I had won. Uh, what about you? Have, you? have you ever won? Have you ever won anything? Anyone ever won a new car? Okay, Charlie's waving his hand. He's saying he's won. I'm scared to ask. <laughs> All right, Charlie, what did you win? Oh, see, yeah, awesome. He won a car. Okay, he took the money. Yeah. I have a hard time fitting in those cars. Um, so anyone else, you guys, have you ever won? Some of you are like, this is church. I don't know if I should tell them what I was doing. All right, so what did you win? Somebody over here. You won an iPad. All right, that's awesome. That's great. 
All the way at the back, Rob, what did you win? Nice, TV, great. All right, I got two back here, Fran and then Peggy. Wow, you won the whole Super Bowl? Or you got, oh, you won tickets, you won tickets, okay. That's great. Wow. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. All right, Peggy. Wow, okay. All right, so now all of a sudden, they're, all right, so they're coming up. Josh, I'm not calling on you. So forget it. Just forget it. All right, let's do one more all the way to the back. What did you win? Alexa. All right, awesome. Okay. All right, so I don't want to get your hopes up or anything this morning, but like I actually had a, a family member, a part of my extended family, that won $10 million in the Texas lottery. Um, I have seen none of that. <laughs> but, but they won, and uh, it was a really exciting thing. Uh, it made me think of uh, uh, two years ago, there was a story that uh, I, I think it's Alabama, uh, where it came out of. Uh, there's a small town in Alabama, and, uh, and some grandchildren were, uh, I mean, they were adult grandchildren, were, were in the old home of their grandparents. And, and they hadn't lived there in a long time, and, and the home had been abandoned. And, and for whatever reason, these, these grandchildren were just in the home. They were kind of sorting through stuff and throwing out trash, and there were piles of rubbish and papers. And uh, in this one pile of, like, crumpled paper and postcards, there was, a, there was just a, an old paper sack. And when they opened the old paper sack, inside was a small rectangular card. They didn't know a whole lot about it, but when they looked at the, on the back of the card, it said the name Ty Cobb. Now, they didn't know anything about baseball, but they thought the name, the name Ty Cobb rang a bell. Go ahead and show that picture. This is what they found. I think it's 1909, they found a Ty Cobb baseball card. I don't know if kids know what baseball cards are anymore. I don't know if we still have those. But they found a Ty Cobb baseball card. So there were, this is a miracle because of this card, there are only 15 in existence. Only 15 in the whole world. And uh, it was valued at uh, at least $150,000. All right, so finding one card is a miracle. Now, if you know the story already, you already know the truth, that in that bag, there wasn't one Ty Cobb card. There were seven. They eventually, uh, I was checking this morning, they eventually sold all seven cards for $3 million. Aren't you glad they didn't throw that trash out? So since then, uh, if you could imagine, uh, they've been with a, a, a fine-tooth comb going through their grandparents' house. And uh, actually, uh, just two months ago in March, they found an eighth card. All right, so... We're talking about winning and striking it big. So, so I had to give you guys a chance this morning to, to experience some of this fun. So under one of your chairs 
is a white envelope. No joke. Go ahead and look. Uh, under a chair in here, and I didn't hide it, so I don't even know where. Uh, you might look in the chair next to you. Uh, under a chair in here is a white envelope. Okay, they got it right here in the back row. All right. All right, so I know what you're thinking. Some are thinking, I, I did not hide it, and I did not even know where it was, I promise. So, okay, go ahead and open it up. What's in there? It's a Powerball ticket that I bought yesterday. All right, so this was, and I know they, I know they checked the numbers last night. Uh, the, the last that I know was that it was up to $145 million. All right, so you just got a chance of, yeah, you just got a lot of friends in this room. So you, you have at least a chance at $145 million. So I want you to just, just hold on to that. I know that's your first lottery ticket, and we, don't, we would never gamble in the church, and you've never done this before, but go ahead. We just, just hold on to that ticket. We're going to come back to it. Um, so I get to spend, uh, as, as a part of my job, I get to spend a lot of time with, uh, uh, with engaged couples. It, it's something I love to do. I love to spend time with, with couples that are engaged and, and thinking about getting married. And, and we, we call it premarital preparation. We just spend some time together talking about everything. And one of the things we do with, with these couples who are, who are planning to get married is we just talk about stress, you know, how do you deal with stress, and what does that look like among you, and, and how are you going to deal with stress once you get married? And, and so one of my questions is always, okay, so right now you're engaged. What's your biggest stressor? You know what it is? It's always the same. Wedding planning. We're, the, we're always, especially the, the guy is always stressed because he just sees money going out for this wedding, and he's like, when is this going to end? And so, and, and then to, to make things worse, if, if you guys, I don't know if you remember, like your wedding planning, your family starts to act real weird, and then all of a sudden there's these, these requests, and then your friends, especially your single friends, they're putting all this crazy weird, they're acting weird because they're jealous, that's the truth, that's what's going on, you know, like, uh, and, and so there's all of this stress that, that is, is surrounding couples who are engaged, and one of my favorite things to do is just just to, to tell them, hey, you're you're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. You know, I know you're experiencing all of this stress, but but I know you are going to make it. And one of the things that I try to remind them is that I know it's difficult right now. I know you're stressing over the wedding right now, but the truth is, everything you're feeling about this wedding is temporary. Because. We are counting down to a day. There is a moment in your immediate future that you can see and know, and on that day, all of your stress and all of your worries will be gone. Because on that day, you will be married. When Peter writes his letter, he's writing to, uh, he calls them foreigners, but the, but the truth is, they're, they're, they're still living in the same towns they've always lived in. They, they just have become changed. They've become Christians, and now they, their friends and family and neighbors don't recognize them anymore because they're trying to live out a Christian uh, worldview in a non-Christian world. And they're in the thick of it. 
Peter is writing to, to Christians who are really struggling with how to be a Christian in an unchristian world. They're, they're facing trials. They're being ostracized. They're being persecuted. They're, they're discouraged. Their heads are down. And Peter is, what is Peter going to say to this group of Christians that's, that's feeling all of this stress? Look what he says at the end of verse 3 and beginning of verse 4. Look what he says. He says, I know you're facing tough stuff, and I know it's difficult right now, but look what he says. He says, now we live with, what are those two words? Great expectation, and we have a, two more words. Do you see what he does? He says, look, I, I know it's tough right now. I know you're feeling it. Maybe you're stressed about wedding stuff. But you get to live with great expectation. There's a priceless inheritance in front of you. This is, this is an important lesson. What Peter does is he reframes their whole situation by telling them to look beyond this present moment and consider the future. Peter said, don't let today ruin your today. Let your future reframe today. And he invites them and reminds them to live with great expectation. So I have homework for you today, homework for everyone. Uh, your homework is to plan a vacation. <laughs> yeah, this just became your best sermon ever, right? So that's your homework. Uh, today, you, your couple, your family, your spouse, uh, I don't care if you're a single adult, like, like I want you to plan a vacation. Um, because uh, for a couple of reasons. One is, how many of you know this truth? If you don't get it on the calendar, it will never happen. Have you guys discovered this? And so my wife and I, we've discovered this, like anything we don't get on the calendar never happens. And then we work and work and work and we get to that place of, man, it'd be really great if we had a break. And then we re look back and regret not planning a vacation. Because if you wait until you need it, you've already waited too long, right? So I want you to plan a vacation. One, because if you don't plan it, it'll never happen. But two, just the thought of that vacation is going to get you through the, what, two months of work leading up to it, right? Isn't that how it works? Man, things, are, things stink right now. Things stink, but man, we're, I'm gonna, in two weeks, I'm going to be on a beach. And see, Peter does that same thing. He says, look, look, I know you're feeling, I, I know t stuff is tough right now. And he doesn't deny the difficulty at all. But instead he says, let me remind you, let me give you something to look forward to. We need things, something to look forward to. I love us. C.S. Lewis talks a lot about this idea. He said, a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some people think, a, a, a form of escapism. It's not wishful thinking. But one of the things a Christian is meant to do. He says, we've been trained. Our whole education tends to fix our minds on this world. And C.S. Lewis says, we must learn to want something else even more. And so Peter, writing to this group facing tough stuff, says, hey, I want to remind you, 
that you have a priceless inheritance in front of you. A priceless inheritance in front of you. I don't know, uh, um, the way my parents are going, I ain't getting an inheritance. You know, it's like, <laughs> like I don't know if that, like, inheritance, this seems like an idea for, for some other people for somewhere else. You know, like, I've got my parents' love eternally, and that's going to have to be enough. You know, it's like, um, because I think they're, they're just excited to, to spend their money and, and do life, and that's fine. I'm not mad, you know. Um, I, I, and I don't know what it would be like. I, I guess I have some friends that, that they have received an inheritance, uh, and I thought, man, what, how different would life be? How different would life be if, if I knew that that person, our family, that won the $10 million? How different would, would my life be? How would I live differently if I knew that some of that was coming to me? It's not. But if I, if I, just could, if I could picture it and hold on to it, that, that, that this great thing is coming for me, it's not here yet, but it's coming. Would, would that change how I live today? And see, Peter challenges these, these Christians. He says, he, he reminds them and reminds us too that you have a priceless inheritance. And I love what he says. Like, like it's an inheritance kept in heaven. It's, it's pure and undefiled. It's beyond the reach of the IRS is what he says. And he says, this is important because this is, and things in this world, like the stock market is going to change, fortunes on earth come and go, but what you have is untouchable. And he goes on and he elaborates like this idea of priceless inheritance. He calls it in, in verse 9, he says, it's the salvation of your souls. It's the best thing you could imagine salvation of your whole self. And, and he elaborates, maybe it seems kind of boring when you read it, but he elaborates. He said, this is what the prophets wanted to know more about. They, they got to speak about a salvation that was coming for us, but they, but they never really like, like got it. And so they were anxious to know. And he says, this thing that's coming for you is so wonderful that even the angels are watching with eager expectation." So how do we live in, in that kind of expectation? How do we live with, with great expectation? How do, how do we recognize this priceless inheritance that, that we have in front of us? And, and I love that he includes like, okay, you know there's going to be trials. He says, I, I know you're facing trials. Like, like he doesn't deny it. You're going to face tough stuff. Yeah, some of you have faced stuff that doesn't make any sense. Some of you are, are probably facing stuff right now that, that came on unexpectedly. Sometimes we face things that, that are tragic and difficult. And he says, when those moments come, it's time for you to, to trust and to love. This is how you live in great expectation. It's to trust more in a future than in today. And I love this, this, you know, he, he, he in so many ways, he invites these Christians to, to kind, of, kind of bear down, suck it up, and show some real grit. Right? 
And, and he does it in a gentle, he does it in a gentle way, I think, but, but he challenges their faith. He says, you already know tough stuff is coming. Have faith. Have faith. He says, you didn't, you don't even, you didn't get to see him like I did. Right, Peter? Remember, Peter was there. He saw him. But he said, even though you didn't see him, you trust him and you love him. Man, I, I'm, this, that would be one great thing you could take from today's teaching. Okay, plan a vacation. And then <laughs> homework number two. Show some real grit for your Christian faith. Teenagers, we, we, we need you to believe in ways that are real and sacrificial. And as adults, we need to be showing you the example of faith. I love the moments of this when, when, uh, when I'm in the hospital with the men and women of faith and their last moments. Right, I've been there, been in that place a bunch of times. And, I, and I've been with Christians in their last moments of faith, and they're like totally, last moments of life, last breaths, like, and they're totally calm and totally at peace and totally unworried. What do you think that is? Man, we need some of that. Some of that grit. Maybe you would call it perseverance. When was the last time that, that you, you showed your faith to be true, to be substantial, to be solid? When was the last time you, like, your metal was tested and you, when was the last challenge you faced and you looked at it as a personal affront on your faith and you said, this is a challenge to my faith and I'm going to show that God is who he is. And he says, man, every time you stand for your faith, like, you know, everyone has, has faith during the easy times. But when you are in the difficult moments and, and you show your faith and you hang on to it and cling on to it, he says, man, that's just going to make that, that priceless inheritance that's coming for you that much sweeter. And he says, look, I want you to live, like he uses these, these words of, of joy and glorious and wonderful. Spend some time meditating over these words this week. See how many times he says, there is inexpressible joy in front of you. It's, it's a glorious joy. You can live with wonderful joy. Be truly glad it's, it's right there in front of you. And I love that he just reminds these Christians, he says that in Jesus Christ, your future is set. Do you feel that today? Do you have that sense? That do, do, you, have, honestly, do you have that sense that you're covered? If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you're, you're set. Do you feel like that? Because if we are, if we're set, like really, so if that relative, that one $10 million really is thinking about such a good faithful preacher, you know, like if I had this sense that, if I had this sense that I was set, wouldn't I live differently wouldn't a new world be possible 
for me to live into. C.S. Lewis, around this idea, says, he says, Christians who did uh, the most for the present world were those who thought the most of the next. Think about that. The Christians who have done in throughout history, the Christians that have done the most for this world were, were so focused, not on this world, but on the next. He goes on to say, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that we have become so ineffective in this one. And he says, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. But if you aim at earth, you will get neither. If you have wonderful, inexpressible joy in front of you, how does that affect the things that you worry about? Would you be able to live, uh, uh, live courageously instead of cautiously? I see people in our world, and, and Christians, we're bad about this too. Like We're constantly building buffers around us, right? We're scared of risk. We're scared of danger. We're scared of anything that could chop our legs out from under us. So we're constantly, like, you know, building these things around us. But if our, if our future is set, we wouldn't have to worry about protecting ourselves or protecting our, our pursuits. Our, our values would be different. Would you live for yourself or, or for the one who gave you the reason for this joy? Think about that, like if your future is set, if God has got this awesome salvation just for you, better than anything you could imagine, would you live, e well, man, I guess that's set, so I'm just going to live for myself each and every day. Like that doesn't make any sense at all. But if our, if our future is set because of Jesus Christ, then it seems like we would probably live for him. The one who guarantees it for us. Man, and, and there's this deep theme that runs through Peter, and, and he begs these, these Christians, and he begs us to, to live in the world differently. To live with a different set of values, to, to live courageously, uh, to, to live with confidence. You know those people that, that I, I don't know, like, they just seem untouchable? I talk about these people sometimes. Generally, like, they're, they're people of faith that I know that, man, it doesn't matter what comes at them. It just bounces off. Nothing sticks to them. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like they walk through life like they're on a cloud. Nothing affects them. The change of seasons, the change of fortunes, the change of family, the change of friends, nothing. They just, they seem to glide through life. And, and this is what Peter says. Peter says, hey, this is available to you. invites us to live the good life. Makes me curious sometimes of um, have you ever have you ever thought about how our prayers must sound to God? I pray for a lot of things. Uh, I pray for lost pets. I worked as a teenager with teenagers for a while, so I pray for everything. Um, pray for skin knees. Pray, you know, pray for you know, like. Uh, pray for good grades on test. You know, like, I, I, I pray for a lot of things. You know, but have you ever just stopped and, and wondered, like, 
how our prayers must sound to God. God, if you could just, man, we're trying to close on this house, God. If you could just come through on this deal. God, I've, I've got this new, this new job and this salary would really set us up. If you could really just, you know, if it's your will, if you could just make this, make this happen. Imagine what it must sound like to God when we, we ask him for, for things like money. Ever pray for pray asking God for security? Doesn't that feel weird? Dear God, like, if you ever made a deal with God, like, dear God, if you would just, if you would just let me, let my Powerball ticket come in, <laughs> I'll give you half. You ever, like, you ever done that deal? Imagine what that must sound like to him. All right, so you, you still got your Powerball ticket? Have you checked the numbers on your phone yet? You don't? Okay. Here's what I want you to do. Just go ahead and hold it up. I just want you to tear it up. It just hurt some of you, didn't it? Go ahead. Keep tearing it up. Here's what Peter says. Peter says, look, look putting your trust in the things of this world is pointless. He says you've already won. Do you believe that? If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are already one. You have an inheritance worth more than 10 Ty Cobb baseball cards. An inheritance that lasts and is enduring beyond the things of this world. I know. I know. Maybe maybe you're facing some tough stuff, and, and maybe right now you... You don't see him. But I invite you, even in this moment, to trust him, to love him. I invite you to have some grit and, and invite you to refuse to settle for the things of this world. And I invite you, man, man maybe, maybe the things of this world have stolen some joy from you. I invite you again to experience wonderful, glorious, inexpressible joy. I invite you to look forward with great expectation. But don't just look forward. I invite you to live forward. In just a minute, we're going to say a prayer and uh, dismiss you to a time of communion. Uh, it's also for us a time to respond. And so, man, maybe God's speaking to your heart. Maybe, maybe you've given your thing, your, yourself to things of this world and are ready to, to lift your eyes up and see what's in front of you. Let your future shape your today. Then, then if there's ways we can pray for you or serve you, I'm just going to move to the back. We, we don't want to embarrass you or anything like that. But, man, we want to address what, what God is doing in your heart. And we'd be honored if you give us that chance. Maybe, maybe God's calling you to give your life to him completely in baptism. Man, we have everything you need, and we'd love to honor that request today. Uh, we also have the uh, communion set up around the room. 
Uh, on these tables, you'll find the elements of Christ's sacrifice for us. And, and uh, uh, I don't know how you would check, like if you had an inheritance, uh, I mean, I guess you could go online and check your bank account and see that it's there. Um, so if there's a way for you to check your inheritance, maybe communion would be a good place to start. To be reminded of exactly what you have received through Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. Um, God, I, I confess that, man, there's, there's been too many times I've consumed with my own life, my own worries, my own fears. Uh, and, and Father God, that's pulled me and prevented me from, from living for you completely and wholly. And so, Father God, if there's anyone in here, and anyone in this space, anyone within hearing that's feeling uh, feeling that pressure of this world, if, uh, if anyone is here that, that is somehow missing out on this incredible promise that you have before us, then, Father God, I, I pray that you would just invite us in, that there would, that there would be a, a, a noticeable change in us, that we would be people of, of hope, uh, one of the things that lasts forever. Father God, let us be hopeful and to live out of that hope each and every day. It's a hope we have because of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Father God, help us to realize what we have won in him because of his great mercy. We have received this, this incredible thing. And Father God, and sometimes we act like, like our lives today are this, this big, important, lasting thing. But God, they're not. Your word says our lives are only the breath of a hand. Only, only a breath. And what is before us is so much greater than what we have now. So God, help us to trust. Help us to love. Help us to come to you. Help us to live like we have received this great prize. We love you, Father, and in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says...